0: You're listening to Raft City Radio, your underground, overwater home of the latest news about the Callisto 6. My name is Mitch, a.k.a. Kung Fu Panzer, and with me I have... KC Coleman, a.k.a. Phoenix,
1: P H E O N Y X,
2: as a.k.a. Captain Tiny
3: Craig, a.k.a. V-K-M Spout
4: And I'm Kato, a.k.a. Kato
0: So as always, at the start of every episode... What did we all think?
4: Oh, it's so good to be back. It
2: is.
0: It's great to be back. back. I missed that delightful man behind the Game Master's screen.
4: You say delightful, I say devious. Um, They're the same thing in my head. Mm, Delightfully devious. That isn't true. That's not how language works. (laughs) 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 I
2: think the break was really, really good for the show. I think it gave everybody a breather. I think it gave them a chance to think about what comes next as a group and individually. And coming back, everything seemed so fresh and everyone seemed so much more renewed in their vigour and determination and excitement. And I think it was a really, really good open to the series and gave us a really clear indication of what to expect um, and what the characters want from this series.
0: Yeah, I think the break gave us a lot, but I think most importantly it gave the team time to prepare. The new set, with the projector in the background, and the colour becoming brighter, all just came together so wonderfully.
3: Oh, I love the new set, and the way they can put images behind... Admittedly, it was just the you had the night there, you couldn't go to Vegas or anything, but still, uh, maybe in Basically, the future, that'd be fantastic. they failed to
4: predict Hector Navarro. They <laughs> yeah. were like, well, let's predict what reasonable backgrounds we might need, and then Hector was like, and <laughs> the pyramids! And they were like, what? <laughs> it was beautiful to see.
0: I mean, I mean really, Sack should have
3: known.
4: <laughs> yeah. Should have just had
3: l- lots of stock images of random places throughout the world which Hector might at some point, bring up. It would have They'll been be prepared so, for next week. Though.
2: It would have been so funny if they had prepared. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he said, "And the
4: pyramids," and they had them, and he was like, "Oh my god!"
1: <laughs> <laughs>
4: There's a risk that next week he's going to say, "And now we cross to Vegas," and then Vegas will just appear. He'll be like, "Oh, the cruise, the cruise, learning." I'll uh, we'll have to. <laughs> I'll ask, ask I have, I have to up my games.
1: game. The yeah, I really like the set and the new GM screen from Dogmite? Yeah, it's beautiful. The the only thing, the only thing with the set that I didn't like is the six behind Eric is completely solid. The the center portion that would form the circle of the six is completely filled in. Yeah. And it kind of throws it off a little bit. A but little it's, bit. it's a minor thing. That's that's really that's my only problem with the set. Everything else is just absolutely beautiful. I like how they had the lighting that would change.
2: Yeah, I l- Around really the like the
1: that. shape around the six. It just would have been nice to have that center portion also have that, that kind of glow, but I don't know how they set up the lighting underneath the uh the the six, so Yeah, sure. Kata? I
4: kind of I kind of miss the very graffitied background from Eric's previous background with all of the different uh, Easter eggs and things that were in that So I kind of am hoping that the cast will just ha- Hastily sort of graffiti That background that Eric has now Until it becomes just as vibrant as the previous one
0: nope, um, Knowing Gina She's probably already done it
4: My favourite was
2: on the last one Was the fact that Taliesin just drew a little pyramid on it
0: <laughs> God That man is A but, strange one
4: But yeah Certainly, something.
0: certainly a human Maybe
4: <laughs> It's
2: not
4: even. Yeah, that's debatable. I went, I went for certainly something. Certainly it's very difficult to debate. That.
0: Certainly an entity.
4: <laughs> certainly something tangible,
2: um, maybe. But I think dog might keep outdoing themselves. Yeah. Mm.
0: And it's really good I to think, see that small these partnerships with these companies. Yeah. Shining. Yeah. If
1: anybody has watched the Vampire in the Masquerade: Ally by Night. Dogmite is the same company that made the GM screen for Jason Carl for
0: season one.
4: So basically they know an LA skyline when they see one.
0: So I think coming off this break, we had the massive question. Oh,
2: sorry, yes, just Jenny, one more thing. Massive.
0: Yes, as interrupting me, as per usual.
2: Yeah, we, I This mean, is
0: season two of Raw Radio we've all over begun. again.
2: Uh, I also just wanted to note that uh, Sam has changed their tattoo. Mm. It's not a hummingbird anymore; it's a butterfly, and I thought that was a really interesting, nice little change. That's all. You That totally carry could have
0: come when we talked about the characters, but that's fine.
2: And we were talking about aesthetics. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Like leave. speaking so, of aesthetics, like, one well, more
1: set thing aesthetic, is, aesthetic. Surely not, not. It was. It was much aesthetic. brighter this time.
0: Mm, it was gorgeous. The set was
1: much brighter. It, where it was sort of darker, and, you know, you, but now it, it it's brighter, it's more colourful. i I'm really digging it right now. So.
0: Yeah, for sure. So yeah, we left off season one with a massive question. And that question was going to influence the future of the show and the future of the story as a whole. measures Z Do... The LA people take control of their state back.
4: Not state. City. city, city. city. My bad.
0: I don't know American geography. I think geography.
4: California is fine for a given value of fine. It is purely the LA metropolitan area.
0: A given value of we don't know.
4: Yeah. yeah. Who so, knows how big LA has got in the last hundred yeah,
0: years. Yeah, so do the people of LA take their city back?
4: Spoiler alert! They do! Spoiler
0: alert! They do! Yep. an there. Yeah, just a little bit. Uh, and I think it's really great the way that Eric phrased it when Mayor Gao gave the speech, essentially accepting, or oh, uh, announcing Measure Z, that this was going to be tough. Yeah. That this is not an easy path, but it is the one that they needed to walk.
2: Yeah.
1: Right, and one thing I want to say
0: about the, the, the
1: vote that Eric brought up, Eric and one of the other people, Geek and Sundry, actually tried to rig the vote by throwing something like 2,000 votes against Measure Z so that it would be on the corporate side. That's nice an you know, impressive. Like that. there, there was no way they were but playing yet fair. They received, but yet they received 12,000 votes overall for measure z that
4: is and it's still passed
1: even with those 2,000 added in and you cannot
4: prove that anyone in on the other side of the system voted more than once there is no evidence of voter fraud whatsoever so sorry there's no proof of voter fraud whatsoever
1: i have no idea what you're talking about
4: there is no proof of voter fraud
1: i have no idea what what you're talking about
4: certainly but there's no proof um Yes, and no one stating in the Discord that they were voting multiple times could possibly be taken as evidence used against them in a court of law to show that they had rigged the vote in any way. Purely
0: circumstantial.
4: Um, yeah, pure, purely hypothetical, and in no way true, and in any way it took place hundreds of years in the past, or at least a hundred years in the past, and therefore is probably inadmissible. Um. <laughs> so
0: I think uh, one, of the, one of the really good things that came out of the announcement of Measure Z's success Is we got more inside into Megau, and we had some moments with him, and then we got introduced to what I hope is one of my favourite superhero character archetypes, which is the cop friend.
4: Man, or the cop enemy. Or the cop enemy. Either way. The cop.
0: The cop in the police commissioner. I'm not going to try and pronounce the name, because I'm going to fuck it up.
4: I think it was Ka'ali. Ka'ali, I think. I believe, but I I didn't know how to spell that.
0: (laughs) I didn't practice um, this one.
4: No. Uh, But yeah, certainly very exciting to see that character, uh, particularly one who's explicitly a Pacific Islander, um, because, I mean, if you were going to give a Pacific Islander superpowers, you might give them water-based powers, which I would really love. Uh, And even if they are a totally normal, bog-standard human, they can easily be the... Cop that hates superheroes, uh, which is a fantastic character archetype, or, or the Gordon. The Commissioner Gordon. Yes, it oh, Commissioner Gordon. Gordon I love or Go- it could be Jim Jefferson Gordon. Davis. Those are the two options. Yeah. Um, And that is a bone to the Marvel fans out there. Hell yeah. That we, we referenced both major universes. You're but welcome. Yeah, it, um, it will be really exciting to see police again because one of the things that Measure Z changed is that. The police didn't have jurisdiction within LA Met area. It was all corporate security. Um, Now, I don't know what the police are like in 2119, and it's possible they could have many of the same drawbacks that corporate security did, Um, but they are theoretically publicly accountable, which should hopefully mean there are some positive changes in the works. It's it's probably a,
3: a step forward. How big a step forward it is,
1: that's to be decided.
4: These developments might be positive. Stay tuned for more.
1: (laughs) So basically, (laughs) from what I gather from everything from the previous season, uh, basically now that Measure Z is passed, the police would actually be patrolling and being able to arrest and, and perform duties within what was... Corporate LA, that corporate circle area. Mm-hmm. I think that, they that applies before. to everything. They, I don't think they're gonna have like the Traeger bots or anything like that. And so in a way, security is a sort of a step down that they're not gonna have. They're not gonna have all those robots.
4: There is for no security or less
1: than or less than because you know with corporations Traeger, yeah, they can make as many as they want and have them there but without trigger being there yeah the police might have some security robots but not in the sheer numbers that corporates had Mm. so that's so there's going to be sort of a a shifting that way that's an expansion of their jurisdiction so there's going to be you know it's going to be like you said it's going to be tough So they might be stretched a little thin right now. We'll have to see how that plays out.
4: It would be really interesting to see whether or not the police are still employing frontline human officers um, and what the state of the sort of frontline human police force is in 2119. And that does raise a couple of interesting questions. Like, I assume the police have robots because the way that robot tech works is they sell it to the military and the military give it to the police. Um,
0: And augmentations.
4: Yeah, um, but...
0: But we, we have no evidence. We
4: don't know. We have no evidence. But the thing is, I don't know whether robots are preferable to people in this situation. Um, because one of the big drawbacks of human policing is that humans are vulnerable to human biases. And human biases tend to come in the form of... judgments based on people that you can make at a distance, say on something like the colour of someone's skin, or any other sort of physical feature... And the question is whether a robot who has been built and made by an algorithm, and the algorithm is, is made by a human, so there's obviously a potential for bias there. The question is whether the robot carries those same biases in its algorithms, or if it is free from that kind of... Um, I've lost. I've entirely lost the word for what that is. Um, racial profiling, there we go. That is the um, one. That's there the go. <laughs> Yeah.
0: And I, I think it's a really interesting point, because the robots will be so heavily associated with Traeger and the corpse that I think there may be an active effort to go away from them.
4: And it is certainly potentially more possible to, um, through social media efforts and through sort of collective shaming attempts, it is often more possible to render changes against a corporation that is vulnerable to people turning against them and buying from other sources. Um, it is more, it tends to be more possible to shame them via social media into their policies than it is necessarily to do that to a police force that is protected by government employment, where yeah. your main recourse is voting people into and out of office. Um, so, before we get so too far down
0: this robot rabbit hole,
4: who knows what will happen with the police? Who knows
0: what will happen with the police?
4: <laughs> Yet I, again, the, the main more information line is required. Is more data is required. Did you see when Eric uh, was announcing the kind of pundits beginning to talk about these sort of breakdowns of what this would mean for individual sectors and the way that Sam's face was lighting up? And I was totally there with them. I wanted like a district by district breakdown of the voting patterns to see who had voted for what, oh, where, yeah. if people yes. had voted like for or against their interests. Hey, oh, okay, um, The sophologist yeah, yeah.
3: in me would love that. Please.
4: No alert. Alert. We've got a nerd alert. <laughs> Yeah, I wanted that. Then I wanted breakdowns oh, yeah, of the sort of yeah. ma- major, major infrastructure being taken over by the public sector and what that would mean. I wanted like a stat on like how many new people would be employed. Kato? What it would mean for the economy. Yes, yes, all be- of that sort of stuff. Kato. More information, you, need, you guys. You then
3: need to model whether the corporations just try to up and leave and see what happens. Yeah, to, like, it's
4: possible that Sam will break down. Kato, just, like, I will hang
0: up this phone call. Okay.
4: I will turn this podcast around. I mean, Craig and I could just sit here recording it to ourselves.
3: That's funny. That's funny. I, I,
4: I'm fine with that. We released the secret archives where it's just the two of us going back <laughs> on what we want to know to make solidly Just solid six hours.
1: Systems. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah so yeah. okay. So I'm so we need more information. I even brought anything up about that? Maybe I, I'm, not, you I'm, I'm really move thankful. On. So one, before, we move, on, before robots,
0: we move on, I was really uh, happy that Eric provided us. With information about the government at multiple levels. We had yes. Gal, and then we had Papagayan.
4: Yeah, he doesn't have a name. He doesn't have a name yet, but he's still Papagayan, oh, according to kenneth his name is just Papa. His name's Papa. That, uh, anything is possible. I really enjoyed Gina and Sam, who shared a moment that was kind of like, did we know that? Has anyone, is that... Did we, have we mentioned that before? Because it is something that I believe may have tangentially been referenced really early on in the series. Yeah, I, it was referenced
0: um, that um, that Oya's father was on the council for Baldwin Heights.
4: Yeah, but a long time but ago. But,
0: like, episode one.
4: So it's been a long time since that information has come up. And I think, um... And Elisa did, did our,
1: mention that that fact on when we were interviewed her.
4: Yeah, but yeah. our interviews aren't canon. Um, they are, how dare day, you <laughs> One day we will get Sam Ward and we will interview them in character But um, Until that day, interviews are not canon That's fair um, I Noticed last season, we got a lot of Hops's relationship with her mother And a lot of Sort of the the raft City family, but we didn't see much of the Baldwin Heights crew, and so I'm really hoping That this season We will get uh, Oya's father, Oya's family a bit more, and then hopefully also Cass's family, yeah, which we know nothing about. they
0: completely mysterious. So, well, I think Cass's family tense from what I
1: saw in the first season. There is an estrangement there. Basically, she was gone for weeks, and all she did was leave and out saying, "Yeah, I'm busy. Bye." So, I think there's a bit of a str- an, 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 yeah, an estrangement between Cass and her mother.
4: You know what? That just makes me crave interactions all the more.
0: Yep. Every family unit is different. So, I think we should really dive in to the major part of this episode and what is probably going to be a major part of this whole season in air quotes, Oniko.
4: I'm so excited, you guys. This is my jam. This is entirely my jam. Medical ethics, complicated medical problems, consciousness debates.
0: Yeah.
2: I am actually really pleased. I think this is a really positive start to the series and a really positive forward step for Oniko and Oniko's, or in air quotes, Oniko's agency and reclaiming that. And I think this is a really kind of interesting subversion of the tropes that we were criticizing in season one and realistically we knew this subversion was coming at some point because we have faith in the cast and eric and sam writing the world and the characters um but also it was again important that this subversion happened as well and i think it's a really positive step forward and some of particularly some of the interactions in this section i thought were very important and um very interesting, and also a very kind of progressive step forward from what we've seen kind of stereotyped in the first series.
0: Well, I think it's also super important that Eric clearly had this in mind, but also the things that have now happened to Oniko, or the the person known as Oniko...
4: We're going to have to call them Oniko until... Uh, until they take their get, own name. Yeah. Any sense. And where I... Uh, like, she, her was the gender identity that she conformed to while she was being controlled by Kylan uh, slash Fetcher but uh, it isn't necessarily how that person will continue to identify but it is the best guidance we have at the moment. So yeah. we'll yeah. continue to say Oniko until such time as we have a different name Yeah. until such time and we'll continue to use she, her until we have different pronouns yeah. and if we need to disambiguate between the uh, artificial consciousness and the human consciousness we can do that With those terms. Cool. I think is the best way to proceed, really. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: But I thought it was really important that Eric didn't just make those things not happen or not have happened to her. Like, the trauma is very real. The things that she has suffered are real. And we're going to have to explore that with her. And that's such a fascinating storytelling opportunity.
4: Mm-hmm. I think everything that we saw from this extended sequence only confirmed why I had wanted to see this and why I had been waiting for it. Because it is beautiful. It really shows uh, Eric's capacity to tell these stories that are complicated and not easy. Um, And I think even during the scenes, we see stuff that only confirms why it is necessary to have this discussion and to have these stories. Um, So at one point... Eric posed to Sam the question, it is possible for Lacey to wipe Oniko's memories, to remove the memory of the trauma. Um, And Sam's response was, no. Essentially, at this time, they're doing emergency surgery to reconstruct enough of a personality that Oniko can start telling them what they want and start communicating with them about their needs. Um, But doesn't need to happen now, and if that memory wiping is going to take place, it must take place with consent from Annika. And you saw in the moment, Hector was like, huh. And then Sam said, I'm not internal sunshining them. And Hector was like, oh yeah, I didn't get it until until like even another member of the cast couldn't understand why Lacey would hesitate to wipe the mind until another example was brought up to say this is why doing stuff without consent is bad. This is why removing these memories without talking about it and getting the person's discussion would be bad. And... Yeah. It only shows that we need more examples of these moments where we have these discussions so that people understand why respecting uh, personal wishes are important, why respecting autonomy and consent is so important.
2: And I think as well, it shows the kind of story that they're going to tell with Oniko going forward, that even before Oniko is conscious or even able to function in any possible way, Sam, well, Lacey in particular, but everyone in general is giving her her agency back. She starts to reclaim that agency from even before she has the opportunity to do so, if that makes sense. So, like, Lacey is giving her her agency by saying, I'm not going to wipe her memories before she can consent to it. And that immediately gives her a little building block of agency that they're going to continue to to build on throughout this episode and throughout the series, which I think is really, really important.
4: It's a really sharp contrast from the paternalistic attitude that the Fletcher consciousness was taking with this body. Yeah. Um, And you can see that in the use of the word pet. You can see that in the replacement of uh, hearing impairment with cochlear implants. Um, Cochlear implants are a big, interesting element of kind of deaf community um, because it is possible to re- to restore hearing... Um, to a very young child um, and there are massive downsides to that in some people's minds because they then aren't necessarily part of the deaf community and they don't ever get the choice necessarily whether or not to have the implant and so there's a lot of a kind of movement now not to give a baby the implant but to wait until that person is old enough to understand the decision and make a reasoned choice about whether or not they want a cochlear implant and to have that be something that takes place with greater sort of focus on individual wants and needs. Um.
2: And also their immediate decision to use sign language, even knowing that Oniko has cochlear implants, their immediate decision of this person probably knows sign because they have a hearing impairment. This is probably their first form of communication and they will understand it, which Oniko did. And And they continued to use sign language, which I think was really beautiful. And I think that was a really, really important moment for me is that is their decision to use sign language despite the fact that oniko has this cochlear implant and can communicate obviously they switched but it was a very much a we can communicate using sign language and it's something that fletcher definitely would never have done and that in some way sets us
4: apart from him
0: speaking of i'd like to circle back just quickly on the pet statement
4: okay before you do can i make a comment about sign because it more directly pertains to as a statement, then we can come back to pet, which I think will lead into some discussion about.
0: Yeah, for sure.
4: Um, I, I completely agree with everything as said about sign. I really appreciate the effort that Sam has gone to in recent things I have seen them in to use sign as part of their role play. Um, I know a little of VSL. I've used it to communicate with people who are profoundly hearing impaired um, or deaf, and I'm not sure kind of where they fall on that spectrum. I don't speak ASL. Uh, I do British Sign Language in Auslan mainly, but it is so useful and transformative to see that depicted and depicted positively. Um, And also that Eric and Gina were so willing to, even not knowing the extent of sign that Sam does, be able to sort of go, this is what is being signed back. um, And to attempt to sort of engage on that level with the sign and to not just say, well, we'll talk out the sign that we're saying and just announce it, but to interact and Sam's kind of use of both sign and speech to coordinate that so that everyone gets the same level of understanding is really amazing.
0: It was a really bold choice and a, so, a, so much respect for them to make that leap.
4: Mm. They also did a little bit of it in their recent appearance on Tales from the Loop um, with their character, whose name I cannot remember whose parents at least
1: next, next.
4: Used, used sign um, for, what, for what reasons it's not possible necessarily to say. Um Or at least I don't remember them.
0: (laughs) Uh, Circling back to the pet statement. One, gross.
3: That made my stomach
0: turn a bit. Yeah. Oh, that was uncomfortable.
4: There were several signs I made then that they did not translate for reasons.
0: And then, the 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 full sentence was, "It called me pet, Mm. not they, it or he." No, no, it was it.
2: No,
4: I know, that's what yeah. I mean. Not no, they no... or he. Kylan has tended... Sorry. Fletcher. The Fletcher personality has tended towards uh, a slightly male bias in the clones that he uses, um, because we have seen, I believe, three clone types, um, we've seen, being we've seen the Kylan type, the Professor and... And the Oniko. Um, and Oniko. And so there's a slight male bias. Now, don't forget uh, the, Snaps. No, yeah, but Snaps is of the Kylan line. So if if you see what i mean it's not they're all subsections of the same clone so they don't count as distinct separate uses of a gender if that makes sense they're, they're all, all they're all barbie or
0: whale. and the other one is a ken
4: yeah um but yeah i think that's that's a very interesting thing to do there are different reasons for it potentially um one is that code doesn't see the fletcher entity as deserving of a humanising pronoun. But also very explicitly said,
2: it's not like you. And Lacey qualified that with, like us, not people. And Oniko agreed. So it almost felt like what was being said there was, the Fletcher entity isn't actually a person, it's a thing.
4: Yes. I I I would agree with that assessment, perhaps. But what I'm saying is that it is def- that- the Fletcher entity is definitely conscious and is therefore capable of choosing what pronouns they would like to be referred to. This That's is true. By, and just because we hate someone does not mean we misgender them with bad pronouns. That's fair. Um, and I completely understand. I, and I can't tell whether Onoko was using it out of disrespect or out of reflection of a reality that is also the reality Fletcher wants to put across. Um, or fear. I have no idea if Fletcher even conceives of gender in such a way that it is possible for them to be offended by use or misuse of pronouns. However, for the time being, my tendency is when I am uncertain of an entity's gender to use they, them. And then as soon as I am aware of the entity's preferences to switch to the stated preference. I'm not averse to using it in this case. I would maybe be if it was a human because um, of sort of histories of dehumanizing language. But until such a time as we know that it is a stated preference of Fletcher, I'm going to hold off for that reason.
0: That's fair. So, it wouldn't be an episode of Ralph City Radio if I didn't propose a crackpot theory. Go for it.
4: Tinfoil hats on, everybody. Tinfoil hats
0: on. I actually do have tinfoil next to me, but it's covered in barbecue sauce, so I'm not putting it on. No, no, put it on your head. Go on.
4: Yeah. Yeah, It it will will block the waves better.
0: (laughs) So, I think that these. Fuck's (laughs) sake. Pick up. I think that. The Fletcher Entity, in some sort of capacity, either is or created the Callisto-6 energy. Okay. So whether it is, Mm -hmm. like, a part of them, or whether it's something that they actively created.
4: How does that vibe with the presence of Callisto-6 energy in a being blocks Fletcher's control?
0: Too much of himself.
4: I'm sorry, what?
0: I know, it's sci-fi. Get out of my brain
4: no that's that's ridiculous
0: um but it's it's when is that being valuable theory after
3: all it's a
4: crackpot yeah. theory getting the more and more cracked
0: um <laughs> I, it, it's just with the it i'm the, more and more i'm thinking of a th- of an object or a a thing as opposed to a person and i'm just very curious as to where especially with the plan to kind of reveal the Fletcher entity, what exactly the shape that that takes.
1: I don't know. I'm kind of thinking something akin to, say, the Great Intelligence from Doctor Who.
0: Potentially. There's a lot of different options that that Fletcher could take. But again, alas, more information is required.
1: Right. I'm just saying... The Roth City Radio mantra. That's how I'm seeing it right now. Of course, that'll
0: always change as we get more information. But When we went through, we kind of... We saw this a little bit in season one at the end there, but really seeing the extent of which Oniko was not herself.
4: Yeah. I'm really not sure about the more nervous system thing. Um, <laughs> potentially it means more... S- more decentralized central nervous system. Um, but there is nervous system everywhere. Yeah. If there wasn't, you couldn't, you know, move your fingers. Couldn't or, do things. Or feel things. Um, yeah, and I wonder about the potential, because it's really hard. The nervous system communicates really, really fast, you guys. And how you increase that to sort of faster than human responses and sort of better than human reflexes, I wonder about... There's a, a way that you sort of... There's a theorized way of bypassing spinal cord severances where you put two nodes on either side of the brake to people who've had spinal cord injury and they're both receivers and one of them takes in electrical impulses and then transmits something to the other one faster than the nerve would normally conduct and then the other one goes oh I've received a signal and then propagates that signal and it's a sort of theorized way of making technology that communicates at the same speed as nerves. Um, It is still very hypothetical but... Uh, I wondered about that kind of a more decentralized set of those things across all of the body. So lots of tiny little implants that respond to the absence or presence of a signal from the brain and work on a kind of on off system. That would be a really interesting way of increasing reflex time and reducing the amount of brain processing that has to be done and the amount of centralized need for that kind of thinking.
3: Super future science tech stuff.
4: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: I think that's a lot of really interesting choices that it's good to mention so, the fact that Oniko identifies as much younger than what she is?
4: Mmm. Is that what we would say that was?
0: Oh, it's the the reset of age thing that her personality did during the virtual environment.
4: Mm. I, I agree that she went... It's really complicated because the prime human personality reasserted itself at the point where sort of control had been lost. I am hesitant to say that's regression to an age um, because of the tendency when we talk about kind of people being younger in developmental age than they are in biological age to be an ableist thing that is sort of used against particularly neurodivergent people.
0: Yeah, that's why I, I use the word identify as opposed to regress.
4: Yeah, I also don't like that because so, yeah,
0: of... I wasn't really sure... Well,
1: the yes best i also is. don't like
4: that for a different reason which is about people mocking trans people
1: i was th- i was thinking something completely different i was thinking that that when they started putting all the cybernetics in and the repression of the oniko personality the true human one was sometime during her teenage years
4: yeah, that's, I think that is fairly well established. Yeah, my, my point is not that that isn't true, because I think that is true, that the reason we are flashing back to that age and that reason why the voice gets put in at that age is that that's the last time Oniko had full autonomy. However, I don't think that's a developmental regression. I don't think it means that she is that age or she identifies as being that age because she still experienced the intervening years. So she still is the biological age that she is and that kind of is immutable and regardless of whether or not her brain has developed alongside that that is still her age
0: i think i think it was, the best way to describe it was for a for a brief moment the personality was catching up with the time that it had lost
4: mm. so Uh, we've talked about sort of the cochlear implants, the age. The other big thing with all of the cybernetics is the sort of heavy security protocol, like a de novo operating system that's completely unlike anything else. Um, And I don't really feel that is totally suspicious because if I were building a nervous system for someone, I would want it to be totally unlike anything else because I wouldn't want it to be hacked.
0: The problem with that is that the person who built it may have a back way in. As with a lot of software and technologies, especially security technologies, building a backdoor into a system is very common for the developer.
4: I think if Eric wanted that to happen, he should have bought a complication uh, because (laughs) Lacey definitely scrubbed that pretty hard.
0: I I accept that and that Lacey is incredible. But Fletcher is also unlike anything we've ever seen.
4: Yeah, no, I'm just saying that Lacey specifically set out to do that exact thing, which is stop Fletcher from exerting control. And if Eric wanted to subvert that, he should have. Yeah, that was, that was the time to complications do it. At the time. And he, like, very explicitly said, I don't want to take this away from Lacey. This is what Lacey's doing. We shouldn't undermine Lacey's capacity in this moment. Because Lacey is very capable. And whilst it
2: is natural to be inherently suspicious of Eric because Eric is devious and likes to throw things in to see what his character you know, his players will do, I don't think that giving Fletcher back control of Oniko is something that Eric will want to do, particularly after the real positive kind of ending we've left this on. I think, particularly with his determination to subvert all of those tropes that we've seen in Series 1 with Oniko, the last thing he's going to want to do is re-subvert that and be like, surprise, he was still in control the whole time. Because A, that's shitty, and B, it's boring and predictable, and Eric is neither of those things.
4: I think what semblance of control Fletcher might have will come in the very explicit fear response Oniko has when... Fletcher is mentioned.
0: Hmm. I just thought it was Fletcher. something that we should at least discuss.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I think... And I reject it as a concept. That's fine. Get out.
0: I agree. I don't think that, that, that Fletcher should do that, because now we have this development with Oniko that I'm absolutely in love with.
4: Mm.
0: But I think we had some really fun highlight moments here with Sam just breaking the game...
4: The game is not broken. Sam is good at this one Sam's thing. Sam is just good at this at really a, one thing. At, at, at a level that is perfectly appropriate for their character.
0: Oh, for sure. It's just kind of hilarious.
1: Sam is great at having Lacey <laughs> basically Pokemon antagonists. Yeah. I don't want to say enemies, because they're not. They're antagonists. We have, you know, Sweet... Ba- uh, uh, honeybee. We have, you know, s- them trying to work with Tails... And now, you know, Oniko. It's just so beautiful to see that where they can say, oh yeah, let's just take him out, let's kill him. That that kind of thing. It's a very predictable type of path. But I love how Sam is doing that. It's like, no, I see the best. I can see that there's something better in Oniko. Or, you know, Tails, you know, that pure nature of the character wants to help and and that's a great thing to see from a role-playing aspect from a story aspect really latching on to that that hope that 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 pure spirit it's something we very rarely see and Sam, they just knock it right out of the park.
0: Well, I think with Lacey and Luma, we get the emotional through-line of Callisto 6. Yeah, This overflowing empathy.
2: And I think, whilst one of my favourite moments with Oniko was when Cass took the initiative to get rid of the book, was like, nah, fuck this, it's too much, and kind of slapped the book out of her hand and kind of enabled her to stop that spiral i think one of my favorite parts was the entirety of Luma's interaction with her it was gentle and i wouldn't even i wouldn't go so far as to say wary but very oh i don't know what the term would be because wary makes it sound like oniko is is violent or aggressive which she's not but thank you exactly yeah where uh, she was very gentle and very careful and like immediately, like the first thing she does is, I'm gonna go onto my knees so my physical presence isn't as intimidating. She is That's immediately trying to make the environment safer and calmer. And when she doesn't when Oniko doesn't understand the word safe, she tries to explain and they try to put things in terms that she is going to be able to comprehend and understand. And she does things like the the stim-based therapy where she kind of gives her the, the fluffy things. And lets her feel the fluffy jumper. And those are really, really amazing tools. And obviously, Luma is very, very good with people. And it really shines through in scenes like this, where she gets to interact with someone who is scared and frightened and is immediately able to make them feel calmer and safe and in a much better position. And I I think that was one of the most touching moments of or touching through lines of the whole kind of scene the whole the whole thing was Luma's ability to kind of really empathize and connect with Oniko to be able to reassure her and kind of keep her on level
0: yeah it's a super interesting scene that took essentially more than an hour of just super dedicated role play between the six players and Eric. And it was so wonderful to have that. Compared to in season one, when we had moments like that with all six players engaging and role-playing, it was generally with someone they were afraid of. And I think it really sets the tone for season two. Absolutely. That this is more positive and this is more exciting. And I think that's really well reflected in Hops. When initially everyone everyone was terrified of her, and rightfully so.
1: I, I like how Oniko connected with Sal. Having that, that that connection with Sal, I think that's going to be a very helpful aspect for Oniko to move forward.
0: Yep.
2: Yeah. I no agree I'm sure. Okay. So. Hops.
0: Let's talk about the Lightning Girl. I love her.
4: <laughs> I... Still not getting
3: much sleep though.
0: Zero. Yeah. Just nothing. Nothing.
4: I would really like more information about that. I um... am doing a concern. That's
2: all I had to say.
4: Okay. Yeah. yeah. I. This reminds I me of because... that
1: episode of X Files where there was a character who had supposedly not slept for like twenty some years, but in physically just for just any human. Yeah.
2: It, you um, can go without sleep for a day dead. or
1: two or something like that. Yeah, she should have been dead weeks ago.
2: I would like to point yeah. out that the Guinness World Record for going without sleep is 11 days. That is the longest yep. anyone has ever gone without sleep. Mm. And he was that's like horrible. hallucinating and by the end of it could not verbally communicate with anybody around him.
4: Yeah.
0: Right,
1: right. Yeah. and Sweet that's is what scares
0: us about hops. Of course <laughs> it was a dude. If you're
4: listening, if you're listening at home you need to sleep. Sleep is good for your brain. It is how your brain processes the information it has obtained since its last sleep and recovers and restores. Um, we don't understand why, but it is necessary. Uh, it is unclear to me whether this is a downside to the powers that is being GM-led, or, or if it is a player choice in response to the situation, uh, or if it is something they have discussed, and I would really like to know more about that and to see it kind of brought up more explicitly. Because I still don't know if it's something we should worry about, yeah. As in, is it causing any downside to hops, either mechanically or in a roleplay sense? Um, And is it something that is fixable that we need to deal with? Um, And so I need it kind of to come up more explicitly and be discussed because it's important.
3: So what you're saying Um. is we need more information.
4: (laughs) Yeah, just a little. Um... I'm trying to
2: change it up, guys. I'm trying to say different. That's going to be the name of the episode.
0: (laughs) We need more information. No,
2: more data is required. More
0: data is required. So, uh, but yeah, I think the the shift in Hopps' perspective to Oniko was super interesting.
4: And a really important thing as well, because I think Hops is totally justified in the fear she expresses early on in the episode. And she actually says, like, if she wakes up, I'll zap her, which is an incredible amount of violence to wish on someone that you have restrained and theoretically totally under your power.
0: But I think um, it's completely that reasonable. Is the thing is... This is a person that they've seen murder 40 people with heavily, like, heavy machine guns like nothing.
4: Yes, it is It is valid to be fearful, but uh, it is not necessarily reasonable to want to wish a restrained person harm when they can't fight back. Like, that is a more worrying instinct, necessarily, than just saying, I'll defend myself.
0: I think it's really interesting because it's not rational. Like, it is 100% understandable for all of the fear of Fletcher, of the things that could hurt them, of the danger to her mother to be manifested in the person who is chained up in front of them. And saying that I'm going to stop them if they do anything, I think it's just... A, a concentration of all of the anxiety that she felt at that point in time
4: mm, i think it is totally valid as an emotion she just shouldn't do it
0: oh yeah for sure like don't don't harm prisoners pretty simple
4: um, i do really like the way it is developed through the episode and that bonnie clearly didn't want although it made sense for hops to be harboring the, these kinds of negative emotions Bonnie didn't want that and didn't want that conflict for Hops versus the rest of the team. So you can see her sort of saying, well, how is Hops responding to this kind of feeling? And how does the sort of the ability to make a connection to someone she does care about in her mother, how does that lead to a better understanding?
0: So I, I think we saw different levels of acceptance of Onika. Like we had Lacey and Luma who wholeheartedly and empathetically accepted her. And you had Hops and Anton who were like, whoa, we're gonna try this.
3: They took a more cautious line.
0: Yeah. And that's, again, perfectly reasonable. And it's also very uh, mirrored in the way that Cass treats Kylan. In that kind of like, we're gonna trust you for now.
4: I think it is uh, very interesting to contrast the corporate people who displace their anger at Fletcher or their fear of Fletcher at the disabled, enslaved uh, woman who is very vulnerable versus Cass, who displaces her anger at the person who has the same face as the person that has been doing all this horrible stuff and someone who still explicitly doesn't quite regret everything he's done um, and who remains a man in control of... A situation.
0: Yeah. Kylan's a um, shitty person who continues to do shitty things.
4: And is still deeply suspicious. Yeah, um, very suspicious. But I, God. Yeah, I think it is useful that everyone has there is no character who is in that kind of grey zone that anyone trusts completely. Everyone has different levels of suspicion and that means that as a team they can act more cohesively because someone is always keeping an eye out. I Changes roles depending on the other person, but it's still a very useful thing to have.
3: Did anyone um, make an insight role?
0: No, no. for fuck's sake.
2: Bless them. No. Episode two point one. We still haven't learned anything.
0: We 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 continue to run head for headfirst into bad situations.
4: It has been infinity sessions since our last insight. check.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, so I think with with hops and Anton being on, on the iconic kind of side of not trusting anyone or everyone. We also had a very interesting line from Anton of what do you think will happen to her, to us? And I think that aligns a lot with how Anton is still kind of selfish.
4: He is that thing, if you have the most to lose, you're the least willing to gamble everything. Yeah. Um, But I also think it's a beautiful distillation of the central question of this episode. Because this episode is still really the fallout episode for everything that happened in the last couple of episodes of season one. Plus the Measure Z vote Plus the increased number of superheroes across the city. Plus all of this stuff now happening with Oniko. There is a huge amount that has happened. And that one line distills the two days that they have spent now taking time and trying to work out what the future holds and trying to decide on a path. Um, and it is all very uncertain. Who knows what more superpowered people will mean? Who knows what the change in the government will mean? Who knows what they're no longer being a Fletcher-controlled entity running all of the corporations will mean? Who knows what keeping Oniko in their basement will mean? There are so many questions, and we don't yet know how the chips are going to fall on them.
0: For sure. I really hope that we settle on a name- for powered people, like Metahuman, just cause it can be really frustrating to not have a term for that.
4: Can I also, as an aside, uh notice in this episode how everyone is calling that guy in the warehouse they have Kylan Krauss and Fletcher Krauss interchangeably, uh when Kylan Krauss is also the name of old man Kraus and like several other people. Yeah. And Fletcher is also the name of an AI. It would be great if people had different names. We or would if be came up with nicknames.
0: Or um, villain names.
4: I mean, yeah. No. It's just confusing. It is confusing. There are, like, three names that are doing the work of about six different bodies belonging to four or five different consciousnesses. Uh, it's really complicated.
0: We can blame Fletcher <laughs> on that.
4: Cyberpunk, <laughs> y'all! Woo! I do. So
0: so you, you mentioned there, Kato, like, what does the... Like, what, does, what is in store for them in the future? And I think there's so very, very much... Including going back in time to talk to your past self.
4: I can't wait for time shenanigans. Oh, there's so many time shenanigans. shenanigans.
0: And we got the confirmation that the person that Oya spoke to in season one was herself. And that is really interesting that if Oya is messing with time in the future, we don't know if this is the first timeline, if that makes sense. Uh Or if this is a corrected timeline. Is this, or is this not Flashpoint?
4: Also can assume, from the fact that Future Oya is messing with time, that there is a negative element to the future that we are trying to avoid. Um, There is no incentive to mess with past time if the future slash present is great. Oya is only coming back in time to mess with the current time so that the future can be fixed, because otherwise... Why would what, you do that to yourself? Yeah, the there, is also, oh
0: there is also the, pe- the potential that Oya is like lost in time.
4: Don't mm, do that what? to me.
0: Ooh, lost, that's a good lost in time, yes.
4: or um,
3: well, bad possible. Like,
4: yeah. So either Oya is coming back to fix the future and make it better. Oya is lost in time, doesn't know what's going on. Oya is being forced to come back to correct the future to make it worse.
0: Oh, there's so many options, and I'm very excited to again. Time- shall we say the mantra time of City Radio?
4: We need more information. We need more
0: information. More data required. I think we, sorry.
2: The other thing I wanted to talk about with Oya is the collab with Lacey for me was actually a really important moment because Lacey is incomparably clever when it comes to tech. There is, there is no equal, but It's easy to overlook, because of how people's powers manifest and what's been happening in Series 1, just how incredibly tech-smart Oya is. And how, like, Oya is really good with tech and kind of computing and all of that stuff. She's just not a technopath. And that is very easy to overlook when it's not really the focus of any of the stuff that they've been doing. So it's very easy to forget just how intelligent she is when it comes to those kind of scenarios, and so I really liked the collab because it showed, again, that Oya is really intelligent, and that Lacey can benefit from help from outside, from other sources. The two of them working together created this amazing system for Oniko. They're
0: and it's- becoming a team. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool.
4: I think it's it's similar to how both Oya and Anton cared white people's minds. Oya can do it with time shenanigans, and Khan can do it because he's just that pretty.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's No, um, it's just PR.
4: Yeah, but like, he gaslights people. Canon. That's, that's literally canon, is that both of them have the same mechanical ability to uh, change the memories of someone. Oya does it by manipulating their brain in a sort of time way, but he just talks to them and makes them believe something different happened. Um, that's and terrifying. It's tempting to overlook everyone's non superpower skills, but they actually have a lot of them. Uh, and we should remember that.
2: Yeah, and so I think that... I hope that is something we see more of going forward. It's not just Oya's tech ability, but everybody's non-superpowered abilities and the cool things that they can do without their powers. But also I think it sets a precedent for this series of... They're more in control. They definitely have a clearer idea of what they want going forward, but also we are definitely starting to see proper team cohesion. In Series 1, a lot of the time the conflict was good, and it made sense, because they've only been together a couple of weeks, three weeks, a month. So it made sense for them to be in conflict with each other, and not really have any reason to be together, other than that they're being chased by somebody because they're all powered, and they're actually probably safer together than they are individually. Now we're not just seeing them being together for the sake of being together, or out of fear. It's a proper we enjoy each other's company, we love being together, we're and as I think what really sums it up for me was when Oniko and Sal were looking out of the window and Oya said, they're part of our family, which shows that not only are they kind of adopt well, they'd already kind of adopted Sal, but Oniko is, they have taken her on and kind of brought her under their wing to be able to kind of assist her in any way they can but also that oya already views these people as a family so we're seeing that proper team collaboration and cohesion that we didn't get in series one and that's only going to get stronger through series two and i think it's a re- one of those really really positive threads that i'm so excited to see more of is proper proper teamwork
0: and on the off the back of that one big criticism that we had of season one was the lack of direction of the group I think with this cohesion, with this team now being a team and more solid, they're aligning all of their goals together and making it really clear that right now we are dealing with Fletcher.
4: So we we talked about a lot of the characters. I really wanted to highlight Lacey in the moment uh, that they had with Cass in trying to break things to get out their anger um, and their sort of frustration uh, because... Hey, it's just, you know how we talk about Lacey only being good at one thing? Sam never rolls to punch a thing, and that is for a very good statistical reason, as far as Lacey's stats go.
0: Because they will not succeed at punching that thing.
4: Nope, they will not. Um, But also we had another moment of Lacey being strongly reminded of a similarity between Cass and someone else. And that someone else got a name here, was named Hawk. Um, and I believe that is probably the he that Luma and Lacey were discussing last season in relation to Cass, um, the person that they both miss very strongly. Um, and I'm hoping that that gets more developed in this season, because that is a mystery that sounds like it's going to be super positive and fun and not at all sad or involve, you know, basically no clones of secret corporate villains. Never. So no, I'm all for that side note.
1: I do have one more thing with the, the collaboration with Lacey. I, it kind of makes sense where Lacy is more of the technical coding aspect. Oya is more the creative aspect. If you think of it as creating a game, Lacy would be the one coding the game mechanics, where Oya would be doing the zone design and, and the artistic design. So putting them together like that really works well. And I'm glad that they they realized that and went with it. It plays to their strengths. But
0: yes, yeah, so I think shifting forward, we've got really clear goals. And I think mm-hmm. because of that, the plot is going to rocket forward. In this, And I think these 12 episodes are going to feel like a blur.
4: Yeah. I really also like that, In the same way that everyone seems to get stronger, they're more on the same page, they're clearer. With Luma, we've seen an active change across the whole of our season into this season about her willingness to impersonate people, particularly long-term public infiltration impersonations, because that is more or less what her character is built to do. But we saw early season one, Luma was very hesitant to try and replace Oniko or uh, Krauss, was very hesitant to try and infiltrate a corporate situation like that um and now she is kind of going for it putting herself forward saying yes i'll impersonate onako i'll pretend to be her in this re-establishment plan they've got of putting kylan back in charge but working for the different team
0: yeah so on putting kylan back in charge (laughs) that's that's a thing
4: did, That's a totally
1: they, foolproof. Didn't they
3: spend, like, an entire couple of episodes umming and in about whether to work with Kylan Krauss and, well, now they're working with Kylan Krauss straight away, season two. Yeah,
0: just insight check, guys, come
2: <laughs> on. This is a perfectly foolproof plan that is not just, at all going to go wrong at just all. someone, uh,
0: please. Sounds... And it's not, it's not even old man Kylan.
4: No, it's it's young man it's, Kylan. it's it's corporate There's
0: no need to fill down it's Sorry. asshole kylan. <laughs> yes.
4: yeah i, cor- <laughs> I, 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 I stand my corporate kylan as distinct from old man kylan being our naming system yeah i do think they don't have a better plan for what to do with pyramid star no like and they do at least have the advantage of they'll be watching him there'll be oversight he doesn't have as much control and power as he did when he was fletcher there are reasons this is, this plan is better than the plan was last season.
0: Yeah, it's the best worst
3: idea. It's it's a really interesting idea. I really like it from a plot standpoint to put uh, Kylan back in charge of Pyramid Star and all corporate LA. That's
1: uh, it. It really it really is fascinating. A double it. Yeah, to yeah, because you get that whole double agent. To have
3: thing. a mole right at the top, in theory, which is hmm. hopefully. I can't wait to see where that goes.
4: Yeah, the other thing is, even if you don't trust him at all, and obviously... Never trust him. No one trusts him. Why would you trust him? That's a terrible idea. Um, Because you don't trust him, that's almost nicer than putting someone from, say, Megau's office or a sort of third party in the role because you know he's not trustworthy. You know he's a lying snitch and might go running to Fletcher. But the fact that you know that means you can watch him. Whereas you could quite easily pick some random person from the mayoral office or wherever and put them in charge, not realising that they are in fact a clone that Fletcher has been running this whole time, or is in other ways evil and bad. So there are some benefits to having someone you openly know not to trust, and have no pretense needed to pretend even that you trust them. You can just be like, nope, I don't trust you (laughs) because of that time you ran the world in a terrible way for years and years and years.
0: Better the devil you know. Yes.
4: Yes.
3: And at least you, at least we know that Kylan is on Kylan's side. He's on his own side. He'll do whatever's best for himself and damn Absolutely.
0: everyone else. And I respect that, but I hate that. <laughs> uh, so I think another really interesting thing that came out of uncovering the plot was that the Callisto 6 energy bomb was a trap
4: understand Tails' logic there at all.
0: Well, it wasn't that makes it, no, no sense. it wasn't a trap that Tails set, it was a trap that Fletcher set.
4: Yeah, I also don't understand that logic. Like they were never going there. I know. They, at no point in the entirety of the last episode were they like, "Oh, let's go to the train, that's a great idea." In some ways it almost seems like Tails set the trap off because they weren't going to go there otherwise and they had to be there for plot reasons. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit strange. It was it was like, "Why, why did you think it was a good trap, Fletcher? They were never going like it failed as a honeypot so badly. Yeah, because so, the so team badly. didn't really
3: know the honeypot existed.
4: Yeah, yeah. It was I've, the worst honeypot in the history Fletcher of the world. Perhaps Fletcher planned
3: to like, email, um, e- e- Hi, guys. email Lacey about it or
4: something? Craig, no? stop trying to
0: rationalise an interdimensional fucking eldritch horror. I'll, I'll, it is
4: reassuring I'll yeah. that Fletcher is, although... Uh, Fletcher obviously has tentacles in literally everything and controls most things and can hear and see an awful lot from all of his many clones. It is reassuring that he's also just self-evidently stupid and bad at traps.
0: I I just get such a brainiac vibe.
4: Obviously they'll come here to this train that they've never heard of and knew nothing about. (laughs) They'll spontaneously just go there.
0: It's just that he's so separate from humanity.
4: What do humans
2: do? They congregate and train. Yes. I personally cannot wait for the final battle, which is basically just going to be everybody using vicious mockery on Fletcher and telling him how bad he is at making traps.
3: (laughs) (laughs) You you, you
2: ain't shit. This is so bad. We knew nothing about this. Why did you think we were going to go there? He's like, no, please.
0: Why would we ever go to the moon?
4: It's a very like, why would we ever go to the planet? Why did you bother deciding what was even on the planet. We weren't going to go there. I was very confused. I also, I don't follow Tails' logic at all, but then, uh, Tails is an AI, so maybe I'm not making Who
0: to. knows? I think there's also a little bit of mechanic delight. Not a big amount, because we didn't see much oh, of it, yeah, they've all but they're all tier two.
1: Tier two.
3: Yay. 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 Woo! So tough. a firework.
4: Sound more excited. Um, there, there are some cool things that could potentially happen. They all have more edge now. Uh, they all. They
0: all have more crunch.
4: Yeah, they all have more abilities. They get abilities both from their kind of core archetype, so like explorer and fighter and whatever, and they also get abilities from their. What is it? It's a. It's an adjective noun who verbs. So they get things from their noun and from their verb when they tear up. Sorry, I know that they have words, but I can only think of it as adjective noun who verbs. Uh,
0: it's a very good way to describe it.
4: Their adjective doesn't change, I don't think, but their noun and their verb both change at tier levels. So they are getting two different new abilities or improvements to previous abilities in addition to all of the stuff they have to do for the little four interim levels between each tier, um, which increase various stat pools and things.
0: Considering we have, I think, four adepts, there's a lot of variety in what an adept can do. So I'm very curious to see what abilities they have all taken.
4: Yeah. So the the two that are non-adepts are Hops, who's an explorer, and Cass, uh, Cass, who's a warrior.
0: Who's a warrior, yeah.
4: Yeah. That uh,
0: five adepts like if you it. count uh, Cobalt.
4: Yes. That is because this system is so intellect-biased, it's not funny. Basically, everything is intellect. Just a tad. Intellect. But that's okay. Uh, yeah, it's fine if you want to be a wizard. If you want to be literally anything else, which, you know, most people do.
0: Thankfully, uh, at least the other classes do scale with at the same time.
4: Yes. Yes.
0: We don't have quadratic wizards. We're getting off topic.
4: uh, Kato likes not to play wizards. Kato feels a little caught out by the system and it's massive amount of wizard-like characters. (laughs) I would like to finish the episode off just talking about a couple of my
2: favourite moments from the episode. I have a couple of moments which, honestly, they just tickled me. Proper tickled me. The first one was when they're talking about the gumbo and... They're talking about how it will be torture to feed somebody bland gumbo, and then Lacey goes, isn't he white? He might like that. And Oya just goes, oh yeah, he he might like that. Put some mayo on it. I just thought that was classic. I felt really seen.
4: (laughs) I love mayo, and I was like... I'm I'm so pleased by your response. Like, I feel so seen by that, because that's not in any way what they were going for. But it's the best response to a white people joke. Is like, oh, they really get me. Yeah. I'm like, wow, they really called me out on that one. I
2: mean, I don't like mayo on gumbo, and I do like spice, but I do really fucking love mayo. Like, I had a burger for dinner, and there was an option- It was a burger that already had mayonnaise on it, and I had the option to add extra mayo, and I took that option. So- And the second bit was when they were meditating with Sal, and I honestly- I just thought it was really wholesome and delightful and it's those whimsical moments that I really hope we see more and more and more of because obviously this isn't a comedy show but it's little moments like that that make the grimmer bits much easier to kind of, not necessarily cope with, but
0: balance
2: yeah it's it's about balance because it's not always grimdark and so you can take those grim you know you can take those kind of grittier bits and be like oh no this is actually quite compelling storytelling because you've got those such funny
4: whimsical moments
0: sal is just an engine for delightful sal Russia. is my son
4: and i love him eric is a genius with sal my favorite thing is that sal's mantra is mantra <laughs> so that's just so good <laughs> yeah. that is exactly so, yeah. what a mantra should be
1: and one uh, one of the things that I liked about it is when they were talking with corporate Kraus, corporate Kylan, and he was so worried about Ornico and them coming after him, and, and and Anton said, "Let's just say she's been taken out of the equation," <laughs> and he kept repeating that. It's like, what do you mean by that? Is she that? Let's just say that she's been taken out of the equation. And, and, and I started putting more and more fear into Kyla. Like, what did these guys do? Did they Who, destroy what are him? you?
3: It does sound rather <laughs> sinister the more you repeat and, it. And,
1: and, yes. But yeah, it does sound sinister. <laughs> but he's basically saying, I don't want to tell you that we sort of started liberating their personality. Her personality, their true personality. We're not going to tell you that.
4: There's a great um Mitchell and Webb sketch. Oh
1: god, yes, that's um
3: uh, I love that uh, sketch.
4: With it's a couple of it's like a mob boss, uh, talking to a couple of his sort of goons. and He's kind of being like, Alright, well, so and so needs to be taken care of and the guy's like, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm hmm uh, and and then one of them's like, sorry, just you want us to take care of him. Yes. By killing him. Yes. And hiding the body? Yes. Okay, just because last month, when you said, I hope so-and-so has a terrible accident, and we just sat there hoping that (laughs) so-and-so would have a terrible accident.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) Oh, British humor.
4: It's so good. It's a really good, we'll have to link it in the show notes, because it's a very good sketch. I I Um, I love that one. But yeah, let's just say she's been taken care of was a really brilliant bit and Hector pushed it just as far as he could to keep it being funny without it being too repetitive and the different inflections sold it very well. He did it
1: three times and, and they always say comedy comes in threes.
2: So the very last thing I want to say is I think the moment that really captured the entire episode for me was I think pretty universal but with Oniko standing stock still just looking out in wonder at the moonlight coming through the window and just her and sal sharing that moment of peace and serenity she's got coffee clutched in her hands and for a second i genuinely thought that she didn't know how to drink because Cass was making like little sipping motions to try and encourage her to drink the coffee and it's like i just it was a very peaceful moment And it's almost, it's a little bit like the calm before the storm, because I very much doubt with everything that's happened this episode, that we are going to get many peaceful moments like that in the next 11 episodes. But I just think it was a really beautiful moment. So indicative of everything that we really hoped for and wanted to come out of the events of season one. And a beautiful projector of what is to kind of come and the the positivity that we're expecting from series two. Obviously the angst isn't over. It's not going to be all sunshines and rainbows from here. This isn't (laughs) overlight. what that was a joke. You guys, I'm funny. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Fucking rude. (laughs) 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 Um, but I think it was, I, I think we are expecting much more positivity and progressiveness. And I think that, that moment distilled really kind of just summed everything up. And I, I'm i really, really excited for the rest of the series if that's the kind of content we're going to be looking at.
4: Mm-hmm. Last episode, at the end of the finale, when I said I wanted more space for moments to breathe, this is exactly the kind of moment and the kind of space I was really hoping for. So I'm very, very excited about the future.
0: It was beautiful. And with that, you can follow... The Rough City Radio podcast on Twitter, at Closed06pod, or email us at rhapsodyradio at gmail.com. You can subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or the Google Play Store, and we would gladly appreciate it if you decide to leave a rating or write a review. We now have a Patreon and a coffee. Links to both can be found on our Twitter. Support us on Patreon for early access to our episodes and for bonus content. Our show notes for this episode can be located at www.rhapsodyradio.com forward slash episode forward slash 2-1. Our theme song... Is Cephalopod by Kevin MacLeod, and you can find his work at www.incompetech.com. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned to this frequency.
3: Was